Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Providential that uh, today is our, our sixth anniversary, and uh, it's, it's, it's quite quite something to have uh, accomplished what you've done in the last six years, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of each and every one of you for being a part of that. But I have a good friend who uh, is also a, a pioneer, pioneered a work up in Morton. He used to be Pastor John King's youth pastor way back in the day. We actually went to the same... Uh, uh, college in Minneapolis. Of course, he's a little younger than me, so he he's uh, he graduated a little later than me, So, uh, but we're good friends, and we hang out occasionally and have coffee and bounce ideas off one another. Uh, he's been here before. It was many years ago. His family's all grown up now. Maybe you have a picture here uh, to show us, I hope, but if you would, please give a nice sixth anniversary warm welcome to Brian Sanders, pastor of Elevate Church in Morton, Illinois. Pastor Brian. Well, how are we doing, Destiny Church? How many of you love your church? You love your church, right? You love your church. How many of you love Jesus? Okay, that was pretty close to even there. How many of you love your church? How many of you love Jesus? There you go. Just making sure. Well, thank you so much for being here today. What a privilege it is to be here. And on behalf of us at Elevate Church in Morton, Illinois, we're, we're the pumpkin capital of the world. We're known for pumpkins. So we usually tell people Thanksgiving time, you're welcome. You're welcome. And so on behalf of Morton, but it's a, such a privilege to be here. You know, Eric and Cheryl are just gracious, kind people. They're great on the stage, but they're even better off the stage. Their love for their family, their love for their grandkids. I think I said everything you wanted me to say, right, Eric? That was it? That was, that was all of it? No, but I do really mean that there are times where you need pastor friends who will encourage you along the way. And I'm so thankful for his obedience to listen to the Holy Spirit of God, those moments at the right time, the right moment. And it's just powerful when you have friends in ministry that you can do ministry with. So aren't you thankful for the people in your church as well? Just the person on your right, the person on your left. Hey, turn to the person on your left and tell them you waited all week to sit next to them. You waited. Turn to the person you ignored and said, maybe next week, maybe next week. Well, a little bit about myself is I've been married for almost 24 years. That's crazy, isn't it? Danielle and I were married when we were 12 and 11. Here's a picture. When I first met Eric, I think they got, that was us back in the day. And some of you are like, wow, okay. They, he likes kids. No, my wife likes me. That's how it works. But I do actually like kids, but this is us now. And we, we've kind of grown up today. I've got my, my middle son, Titus with me. I just want to honor him. Titus, stand under your feet. Ladies, he's single and ready to mingle. No, I'm kidding. He's not. Okay, stop clapping. It's going to his head right now. Way too much clapping there. Delete all of that, okay? But he is, he really, his name is a pastor's friend, and he is one of my best friends. You, you don't realize that you can actually be friends with your kids. There, there are all those moments when you're like, okay, I'm not your best friend anymore. Now I'm your dad. Go do what I just told you to do and take out the garbage. We're still working on that one, but, you know, we all have things to go and grow with. And so... I started thinking about my family and I mean, I've just been blessed. Some of you are right now, or you're still in awe of the picture. You're like, how did he marry her? I know, I get it, but she said yes. It's kind of like Pastor Eric. Cheryl, I mean, we know that she's the better half of Pastor Eric, but still, 
it just is what it is. And so, but Daniel and I have been married for almost 24 years. We'll be celebrating that this year. Then we've been in church ministry for over 20. We're going to be celebrating our 15th birthday as a church, which is incredible, only but the grace of God. I'm just simply a guy, God plucked out of some hill in the hood, kind of, where I'm raised and plucked me out. I fell in love with Jesus. And if you serve the house, you'll find a spouse. She'll say yes, and life will be good. I'm just telling you, that's that's my quick story in 30 seconds. But today on this sixth birthday, I'm going to talk to you about something I believe it's maybe a lost art in our culture. And recently, our our fourth born, Judah, not to be confused with Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus in the Bible. One time a guy came to me and said, you named your kid Judas? No, idiot. I'm a pastor. Why would anyone name their kid Judas after the guy who betrayed Jesus? But he got something this last Christmas that earlier than any of our kids before. He got a phone. Now, we had told him over and over, hey, we're not going to probably, you're probably not going to get a phone. You're, you're in seventh grade. And I know you may be judging me like, really? Seventh grade? I know. No, but seventh grade, it's funny when kids are like, dad, can I just have a phone? It only costs $500. I was like, well, the phone costs that, but you know, you have to pay for the service every month for a long time. So he thought he wasn't going to get a phone, but at Christmas time, we surprised him with one. And he's one of my most fiercest kids. He, he just doesn't cry ever. And so sometimes we're like, do you have a heart? Oil can, you know, check it out. Do do you have a heart? And he gets the phone, he opens it, and this is just tears. And junior high kids, I mean, they, they just, they don't cry. So he's just overwhelmed, like, wow, my mom and dad love me so much, they got me a phone. Fast forward, we've had it one month, two months. One day, his little brother gets the phone and decides, I'm going to play with it. Well, he doesn't like that. Yes, even PK kids need salvation on another level. We, we have some deliverance still needing to happen. He didn't want to share this phone. And so his little brother took the phone, and then he didn't like that, so he changed the passcode. Well, later... He picked it up again and he couldn't remember the passcode. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Yeah, the guy clapping, he's not paying for a phone, but I'm the one paying for the phone. And he couldn't figure out the password. The phone was locked out for 24 hours, 48 hours, and the clock keeps ticking. We locked the phone out for over five days. At 16 days, the phone is still freaking locked. I'm just telling you, I became furious. I became so frustrated because he's got this phone that has access to so many things and so many people and so many opportunities. But because it was locked out, we couldn't get a hold of him. There was safety. You know, where is he at? What is he doing? All because he locked the phone out. And today I'm going to talk to you about something that if we don't get down, I believe we can lock ourselves out of God's flow for our future. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a good future, a great future. God is good in your past. He's good in your present. He's good in your future. And I believe that God is good all the time, all the time. I knew I came to a good church today. I wasn't raised in, I'm like a charismatic with a seatbelt on. And so I love coming to churches where there's like a little more energy, a little more vibe, like you're ready to be in church today. Like you, when I come to church, I lean in because I I know that God has something for me for whoever he wants to bring it. It might be the audio guy. It might be the media person. It might be the pastor, the people to my right, the people to my left, that person I didn't ask the question first, even though I ignored them and I hope they forgive me. But still, anyone around, God can speak to me and he might have something for me. So I want to lean in. And so today 
on this sixth birthday, which at first I thought it was your fifth birthday, I want to take a travel through the text of Mark chapter six. Maybe it's a coincidence that sixth birthday, Mark chapter six, but I want we pick up this story. And this is what we have to ask ourselves this question. As we move into our future, do we have what's in Mark six living out in our lives? So we pick up the story. Mark chapter six, we know Jesus, he had just kind of some context. He had just healed the woman with the blood issue of 12 years. And then Jairus's daughter, he's coming from Capernaum, probably 30 miles back to his hometown. He was born in Bethlehem, but his hometown was Nazareth. And we pick up the story in Mark six, verse one, it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. Verse two, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Let's say that word together. One, two, three, amazed. Where did this man get these things? They ask, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Verse three, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, should have went with the Hebrew term, Judah, just, just my thought there, and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Verse four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. As we kind of take a tour through this text, we see Jesus coming back to his hometown. Isn't it fun to go back to your hometown? Anybody ever gone back to live far away and you've gone back to your hometown? Anybody, a few of you? And you go back and you're like, it was nicer when I was a kid. And you go back and you're like, this place is a dump now. But going back to your own hometown, Jesus goes back, he comes back, he's a carpenter. We know that carpenters in that day, I always thought it was just building wood just like the wood that you have in here. You're like, Jesus could build anything, like Chip and Joanna Gaines. He could have helped them out back in the day. But he's, he's a builder. But Jesus didn't only probably just build with wood, but also stone, and he could do those things. And Jesus is a carpenter. He is a builder. And I love that builders have the ability to take something that has potential, make a plan for it, and then give a purpose to it. And isn't that what Jesus does with you and me? Like the story we heard, he takes a man who wasn't serving the Lord, who now is serving the Lord. He gives him potential. He makes a plan and then he gives him a purpose. And I'm so thankful that Jesus has been doing that in my life. He's doing that in your life. He's doing that in the life of this church on this sixth anniversary as you celebrate. Aren't you thankful? Can you just give God like 10 seconds of thankfulness and praise that he's, he's building this church. He's doing something in his church. And we see that, that Jesus comes back, but he doesn't come back with credentials. He left not as the rabbi, but he comes back as the rab rabbi. And you know, you don't have to have credentials if you've got a calling. If you've got a calling, you're unstoppable. You're invincible. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ. You don't need credentialing from any man, from any organization. If you've got the mark of God on your life, the future of your life will be marked in miracles and things. God will begin to do things that you could never do on your own. If you're called, if you're marked and every single person here, every student is called, you're marked by God. Your marriage is marked by God. And so as we step into that calling, as we step into that future, as I get older and older, I realize, wow, a lot of the great things that I did weren't actually my ideas. It was God's calling and his grace and his mercy on my life. Many of you are like, we can tell you're married to that lady. We know obviously God had a call into your life because there's no way, buddy. There's just no way. I married way over my head. But Jesus comes back and he comes back as a rabbi. 
and they didn't dig that. And so they began to call him names. They began to say, hey, this is Mary's son. Well, in that culture, you were named after the father. It was, should have been the father of Joseph. But we see in the scriptures, they said Jesus was an illegitimate child, that they really didn't know who his father was. Even his own brothers, who we, we don't know much about, James led the church. We also know that Judah, in the Hebrew, Judas, but he, he also wrote the epistle of Jude. And so that's all we know about his brothers and sisters. They weren't believers until after the resurrection. We don't know anything about his sisters, but we see them coming back and they begin to diss Jesus. The more you do for God, the more you begin to live for him, I'm telling you, you're going to have some haters. If you don't have any haters, I don't know if you're doing anything for God. You got to have somebody that doesn't like you, a family member, a friend, I can tell you, I wasn't raised in church. And some, some of you are like, ah, oh, we can tell. You need some help. But I wasn't raised in church. We, I've come from a broken family. And, and you see God work in our lives. Jesus changes our lives. He begins to do a great work in our lives. And I'm telling you, I've had more problems with my own family than I've ever had with the family of God. And we all know there's some crazies out there. They, they were crazy before they met Jesus and they met Jesus and they're still crazy. We love them. We all need a few of those people. If you don't know anybody, you're that person. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> but he comes back, he's called, and they're offended by Jesus. That word offended, that offense, that's where we get the word scandal from. It's the gospel is scandalous. The grace of God, that God takes all of your guilt and gives you grace that he takes all of your faults and all of your failures from the past and the present and the future, and he takes all of those and gives you forgiveness. He takes your rebellion and he gives you his righteousness. He takes your depraved mind, your, your negative mind, and he gives you the mind of Christ. And it's all because of Jesus. He did that for you and for me on the cross. He made this a massive deposit. Yet then we see in verse five, what happens? Turn your neighbor and say, what happens? It says that he could do he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Verse six, he was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He couldn't do the miracles. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus, he lost his power for a moment? No, it means that Jesus restrained his power. That to think, it's one thing to have unbelief. It's another thing to see God work in a powerful way and still have disbelief. And I wonder just maybe, is that the F word that is hiding over this text? The word familiar. Let's say that together. One, two, three, familiar. I would say that maybe it's being familiar about Jesus is the thing that will keep you from God's flow for your future. If you become so familiar at year number six, oh, this is just what we do. Man, we just got a dream center now. Just done. Other people will do it, right, Pastor Eric? They're just like, boop, and it's gonna happen. All this work, all this sweat, all this equity, I loved in the prayer about a sacrifice. The gospel is always about a sacrifice. Students, it's gonna cost you something if you're gonna live for Jesus. Number one, you're not gonna be able to date everybody that everybody wants to date, maybe. You're not always gonna be in the in crowd. You might be in the in crowd, but it's gonna cost you something. And I, over the past several years, I wonder has the church, we have lost that sacrifice. We have lost that pressing in. We have lost that humility. We have lost, and maybe we became so familiar with doing church that we forgot that we are the church. And it's gonna cost you something. But what is it to give something up for someone who gave his life up for you? 
everything we give up. One day we're going to stand before Jesus and all the rewards that we've gotten, we're going to lay those down at the feet of Jesus. We lay them down. We lay down those crowns. God, everything I did for you was nothing compared to what you did for me. And we see this, this cause he couldn't do. They were too familiar. They were like, Jesus is from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, you got to have a city like that around here. For, for us, it's Spring Bay by Morton. We're like, can anything good come from Spring Bay? And that's my best friend. He's from Spring Bay. But I still say, can anything good come from Spring Bay? There's got to be a city where you're like, I don't know if anything good happens there. But they were too familiar with Jesus. And the crazy thing, the juxtaposition, the, the opposite, the, the craziest thing is that you have Jesus coming to his hometown. It should have been like American Idol. They should have gave him a key to the city. They should have had a celebration. They should have had the stage up. They should have been like, Jesus, the rabbi, come on up and let him preach. But they couldn't get it out of their minds that this small town in Nazareth of probably 500 people, they couldn't get out of their minds that it's just Jesus. And they were too familiar when we become too familiar with something, just maybe it can keep us from God's flow for our future. God has a flow and it's familiar or it's something else that I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Familiar. And we have the opposite. We have, they were amazed. They, Jesus was amazed at their disbelief. Not a good thing. Tap your neighbor, make sure they're still awake. It's not a good thing. He was amazed. Other translations say astonished. I love that phrase. Astonished, amazed at their disbelief. And then later in Luke chapter seven, we see Jesus is also amazed at a centurion's faith, this soldier's faith, because he just said at your word, and I'm believing today after that testimony, because of your faith at your word, you just say the word, God, and I'll receive that healing. Church, could we believe that right now? We just say the word. I know it's birthday number six, but Luke is Luke seven, that we're believing for healing. And, and just because you said, I understand authority, I understand your word, and I'm faithful and I trust you. And so by your word that I would be healed. We're believing that over your life. Thank you for your story. Thank you for the power of the gospel working in your life. And so we see one good thing and then one negative thing. This flow, familiar, and it's good to have familiarity. Like I love the same coffee places. I love the same vacation places. I love going to the same places on dates with my wife, our kids. We love all those places we go. Anybody got some familiar places you love to go? I hope it's not McDonald's, but I'm just saying. We all got those places that we love to go shop. Walmarts, that's what we say in the South. And then Target, you know, those places that we love to go to. But we all have those things that we love familiar. And there are good things about being familiar with something. Like when Daniel and I were dating, we build a friendship. We feel safe. We feel secure with one another. Those are good things. Yet when we become too familiar with Jesus and who Jesus is, as we see in this text, as we travel through this text, as we do a little tour, a little drive-by here, we see, first thing, when you become familiar, you forget what's right in front of you. When you become so familiar, you forget what's right in front of you. Like this building is amazing. As I drove up to the property, I was like, how much did you get this for? Oh, get the heck out. Eric, touch my head. I need the same stuff where I'm from. How did you do this? Only God. Only God. 
But could we become so familiar with renovating a facility, renovating a building, doing the work of God for the people of God that we actually could forget the people of God right around us and that we have a mission? Yes, there's a cost to reach the lost as you're renovating the facility here. It's like $100,000. Some of you today, God has gifted you. He's entrusted you with resources. And I'm just telling you, I, one lesson I can teach you in life is if you trust God with what you have, you can open your hands to receive more what God has for you. I've been tithing since I was 16 years old, giving a tithe, giving a tenth. Listen to me, students. I've been doing this for decades now. The faithfulness of God. You can never outgive God. You can't outgive him. And there are intangible blessings, intangible blessings that only can come when you let go of what you have. When you let go of what you have, you're open and you're ready to receive more of what God has for you. If you trust him, Maybe you've never stepped into that. I think of this building. I go back to the Old Testament. Ezra came back. They rebuilt the temple. A guy by the name of Barney Zerubbabel. You can go look it up. I think it's in there in the text somewhere. And then they built a wall, Nehemiah, and they were doing all this work. And the thing about the wall in the city of, of Jerusalem was they were building a wall for protection, for security. That's what you're doing. You're, you're building a house for the Lord, for safety, for protection, for lives to be changed. And they went by that wall for 100 20 years and it was done because a man with a plan and a mission from God said in 52 days we could change it. What if in the next 52 days the generosity in this room could overflow on another level? You could just say we'll trust God. I know the tax return is coming back hopefully in Jesus name. It's coming back. We'll trust God. We'll believe for God. What if in 52 days you could renovate something that could take you five years? But if everyone was faithful, I know the pastors in the front are like, amen, come on. There's got to be some other faith-filled people that could be like, God, you just take what I have. Just take what I have. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. God looks for a sacrifice, whether it's a dollar or a thousand dollars. And some, you've been waiting for God to do something in your life. I'm telling you, generosity is a flow of God's rhythm. If you unlock generosity in your life, the same measure which you give to others will be brought back on you. And I've tried to outgive God. It never works. I've lost every time. Every time you cannot outgive God. I'm just telling you, he's faithful. The second one, offenses become your friend. Offenses, when you become familiar with Jesus, offenses can become your friend. You're so familiar when something changes. Jesus went from Jesus leaving at 30 years of age to becoming a rabbi. Well, I don't know if I dig that. Jesus is the carpenter. He fixes houses. But if you see Jesus just as a carpenter, you'll never see him as the builder who can change your life. They just saw him as the builder who built the things for Chip and Joanna and the team and the crew back then. But no, he's the carpenter who can fix and change your life. He can change your marriage and your marriage if it's become stale, if it's become familiar. God can do a work if you let him do a work. They became familiar and then they, they were offended. Have you noticed people are offended about everything today? Like still, I thought the election was over several years ago, but we're still offended. And I hate to share this, but I'm a pastor, so I have some humility. I'm in the house. I'm confessing my sins before the friends of God and the people of God. When my son locked his phone out, it was my day off. I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a conversation with Verizon. I don't like to throw anybody under the bus, but let's just throw him under the bus. We love you, Verizon. I, I begin to text, and I don't want to call him and be on the phone for hours and, and I'm just ready for a fight, a text fight. You ever lit anybody up by text? Come on, come on, confess you're in church. Don't let me be the, don't you judge me. Don't judge me. Don't you judge me. 
I'm ready. It's, it's Friday. It's my day off. I'm ready for a text faith fight. So I thought, but often faith fights are really flesh fights. If we're honest with ourselves. And I thought, man, I'm ready. I'm like, I've got a 12 year old. He needs his phone. It's been locked out for 10 over 10 days right now. He needs it. Safety, security. He's a minor. He's a minor, minor, minor. And I'm one of those people, if you're my friend, if I text you and you don't text me back, I will light you up. You will get deleted from my phone so fast, you'll think the rapture happened. That's how fast you're going to get deleted. And, and I, Pastor Eric's in my phone. But I'm telling you, if you do that, I, I, have a, I have a memory so I can remember some phone numbers even from years ago. So sometimes it's just one of those weird things that I have that I'm able to do. But I'm telling you, 24 hours go by, you're starting to get deleted. 48 hours go by, you're gone. You're just, you're gone. You're dead to me. No, I'm just kidding. I love them, but I'm probably not going to text them back. Some of you are like, I'm going to see if he does that. I'm going to text him. But I began this text war battle over Verizon. And I'm like, we need to get the phone unlocked. Do you understand the words that are coming off this text? Do you understand them? No. And you know that guy or girl on the other line was just like, um, this guy is mad. He is frustrated about a phone. Okay. They're just accountants or something. And they're texting back. And like, we're going to pass you on to technician number two. I'm like, bring on technician two. Let's go. I'm ready. And so after hours on this text, they still couldn't get the phone unlocked. And I have to tell you, I was just wanted to be offended. And so often the people of God, we can get so offended when things change. Can I tell you, embrace change, change, conflict, growth. What you did to get to year number six will not be what you need to do to the next six years. You have to change. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to stretch yourself. You have to grow yourself. I didn't get these massive buys and tries by not conflict, change, and growth at Gold's Gym. No. Some of you are like, he just... Yeah, exactly. But I have to, you got to work. You got to change. You got to have growth. You got to have some conflict. You got to push in. You got to press in. You got to say, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to change in me? How do you want to stretch my gifts and talents? Maybe I used to be on this team, but now you're asking me to be on this team. Maybe I've done this for years. And you see, when we become familiar, we can get ourselves locked out of God's flow. The people did not they, they couldn't get that it was Jesus, not the carpenter, but the Christ, the reigning sovereign king, the savior of the world. And he came to heal hearts, not just to fix homes. And we see the third thing, you forfeit your future. That phrase, it just baffles me. He couldn't do miracles. He could do no mighty works there. Now, maybe a few ankle sprains, maybe a few headaches, maybe a little arthritis, maybe a jam finger here or there, but it said he couldn't do miracles. And I've thought these people forfeited their future, the blessings from God, because they were just familiar. And they're like, we know Jesus. Jesus played on the soccer team with Benny. And then he played on the t-ball team with Tom. And the reality was that they were just familiar with Jesus. And for some reason, the scriptures, it, it leaves to tell us that this is the last time Jesus went back to his hometown. What if there's a moment in your life where Jesus is coming to you, maybe today, and he's like, are you going to see me for who I am? 
or maybe what you've just thought. Because a lot of us, we've, we've created Jesus to plush toy Jesus, where he just does what we want him to do. And you've created the Jesus in your own image. Jesus is the reigning, ruling king. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He hears our prayers. He listens to us. He loves us. And he's got an unbelievable plan for our life to do good works for him, for his kingdom. But have you maybe become so familiar? There's the good side of familiar, but then there's that bad side of familiar. So you're thinking, Brian, what's the antidote? I don't want to be familiar with Jesus. Well, the antidote is found in this simple word, the word honor, honor. See, familiarity is just common. It's just ordinary. Like this is just familiar. We're just, it's just common. The opposite of that is honor. It says that they couldn't give God honor. Jesus should have had more honor in his hometown than everywhere else. He had more honor everywhere else as a rabbi instead of his hometown. And, and in our lives, we have to move to honor. We've got to bring that age factor. We've got to bring that back into God's flow for our lives. Because if we don't live lives of honor, students, if we don't live lives of honor, parents, pastors, grandparents, friends, neighbors, hey, we might lock ourselves out of what God's flow is for our future. See, in my house, I have a I have an autographed basketball, Michael Jordan autographed basketball, cash money. <laughs> My son said on the way, he said, Hey, man, I remember that basketball growing up as a kid. It's like, we could look at it, but we couldn't touch it. And we could just look at it We're like, Oh, wow. See that basketball is worth something. I was going to bring it today, but I thought, I don't know if I trust these people. I trust Eric, but I don't know about these people. So I was like, I don't know. It's Springfield. I don't know. It's close enough. No. But we have this basketball and it's in this case and it's nice. And the basketball is valuable. It is valuable. Would anyone, you say, I'll take it. Are you giving away free today? I'll take it. You know, two people would be like, yay. Thanks, mom. Um, But it's valuable. But the reason that basketball is actually really valuable is because my grandparents, who are no longer here today, who are with the Lord, Papa and Nanny, those are great legendary names. They went, they bought me that basketball. And my grandpa, he's one of the most character, full of character people. I've never heard him say anything bad about anyone. I'm like, I would say something bad, but he never would. Just a man of integrity. My grandparents, they loved us so much. They helped raise us when we were kids. And that basketball means so much more than the price of that signature. Because it was given to me as a gift by people who love me a lot. That they went out of their way. And even though they were blessed and even though God provided for them, the sacrifice that they made to get me that ball is above and beyond just the autograph on the ball. If the autograph were scratched to me, that ball would still be in a case locked up full of value. If there's anything in my home that I would save, if there was a fire, my wife, that basketball, and then my kids, that's probably the order it would go (laughs) would be because that basketball has love behind it. That basketball has character behind it. That basketball has a legacy. It's one of the only things that was passed from them to me that I get to keep until I one day see them again. And that's the great thing about God's flow. If you live a life of honor, you got to remember church one day, first John three, two, you'll see him. I'll see him. And one day when I see him, then I'll see them because God is good and he is faithful. So let's talk about honor real quick. Honor, Proverbs 22, verse four says, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. 
So true honor is an outflow from a heart that fears God. You have a fear of the Lord. It's not that you're afraid of him, but you have a fear. You have an honoring fear that God is who he is. He can do what he wants to do. The word of God says who he is and what he can do. And we have just this humility before him that he's God and we're not God. That's the problem with our world. Our world has thought that they're God, that they're in charge. No one tells them no. And if you want to invite honor into your life, Hey, you're going to have to have people in your life who will tell you no. Students, listen to me. Invite people to tell you no. Invite people to tell you no. When people tell me no, that's just reminding me God has something better for me. Honor. Honor means it's weighty. It's precious. It's valuable. That basketball is not like any other basketball. We don't just go take that basketball and go shoot outside in the driveway. No, no, no. It's valuable. To dishonor or be familiar is basically to treat it as common. Oh, it's just a regular basketball. It's like every other basketball. No, that basketball is different. See, Jesus is the same. Jesus is greater than a basketball. He's, we honor him. We value him. We honor his word. We get under the word of God, the authority of God. Most of us, some of us will never get into positions of authority and leadership because we can't get under the leadership and the authority of God's word. God wants to put a lot of us in authority, but in order to be in authority, you have to learn to serve under authority. We got to get under the word of God. Honor. God has this honor structure. He's coming with the reward. And so God's going to put people in our lives and he's going to bring rewards to our lives based on how we respond to honor or treat familiar the people he places in our lives. So with the time we have, thank you for asking. Maybe 10 minutes left. I don't know. There's no clock up there. Maybe 15 minutes left. Maybe 30 minutes left. But it does say it's 1119. So I have 11 minutes left. So... <laughs> The first one, how will we honor? How will we receive God's structure? We want, we honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. We honor up. Who are the people that are above us? Oh, parents, you'll be glad you brought your kids to church today. Ephesians 6, 2, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Ephesians 6, the first three verses, it says, if you honor them, it will go well with you and you will live a long life. I want to live a long life. I can't tell you I've done a lot right, but I can tell you to honor my mother and my father. Even when they said to do something I wanted to do, it always works when we honor. And honor means that we, we submit ourselves to their authority. We value what they say because we value them. When we value them, we're valuing what God says. It's one of the 10 commandments, honor your father and your mother. We submit to them in our minds, in our hearts. We don't just say yes outwardly and then give them the number one sign in our rooms or in our hearts later. No, we honor them. We value them. We value what they say. What about not just our parents? What about pastors and spiritual leaders? First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Verse 13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Pastors, I wasn't raised in a church. I never had pastors. And then Pastor John, who is our mutual friend, he is my pastor. He's not my homie. I've watched over the years, people were like, oh yeah, you mean John? I was like, who? Like Pastor John, and I don't, every culture is different. Sometimes people call them pastors, sometimes they don't. But I'm gonna tell you this, as someone who wasn't raised in church, everyone needs a pastor. Everyone needs a pastor. And if you don't need one now, you'll need one one day when they do your funeral. So you better be nice to your pastor. <laughs> do you have a pastor? I've done funerals before and, 
and you're like trying to say stuff about, they're like, they love the church. No, they came at Christmas and Easter, CEOs, Christmas and Easter fans. Oh, they were serving the Lord. Oh, they were generous. Oh, no, I don't think their name was ever on anything. Hey, we need pastors. And, and I'm, I'm just standing on the shoulders of people like Pastor John, Pastor Eric and Cheryl. And again, I mean this with all sincerity. Pastor Eric, thank you for, your, for lending him into my life. He's got enough to do than to text me an hour away and say, hey, I'm just praying for you, believing for you guys. Good seasons, bad seasons. His willingness to obey the Holy Spirit of God, to do the work of the ministry off the stage more than on the stage. And so I'm just telling you, what you have, a lot of places don't have. I mean, a lot of people are just like, we do our thing. We do our thing. We don't have time for the big kingdom thing. And I'm thankful for a pastor modeling for me the Big C Church, much bigger than just my own church. And so I just admonish both of you for that. Thank you for your service. Thank you for honoring. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for the opportunity to be on this platform. See, nothing else, right? No, just... But we honor them. We, we need to be honoring to pastors, even churches we left and it didn't work out. And as we transition and move from, hey, honor pastors. My kids know, hey, we, do, we don't speak down on the man of God, the woman of God. Yeah, if there's a sin issue, we're not talking about that, but a difference issue, how they do things, hey, we, we honor those people. God placed them into our lives. And how we choose, I'm convinced, to honor people will ultimately determine how we choose to honor them or dishonor them will ultimately get us to our destiny in life. We chose to receive the people God placed place in our lives. We chose for them to heed their words, take their words, listen to their words and honor them and value them. Are you living a life of honor? What about that boss? You know, that guy who pays your paycheck. Ultimately, God pays your paycheck. They're just the middle man. And I've always, always thought it was amazing when people would critique their bosses. Confess, you're in church. How many of you ever critiqued your boss and be like, eh, don't like that guy. Okay, the rest of you are liars. But anyways, we've critiqued them and I've thought how crazy it is this person is helping provide for our livelihood and we have the audacity to diss them in front of our coworkers instead of honor them. Again, they don't do everything right. I know you're smarter than them, funnier than them, better looking than them, and you probably should be the boss. But I also find the scriptures tell me in Psalm 76, Psalm 77, right around there, you know when a pastor says, you're like, where is that in there? It's right around there where that God elevates. God's the one who promotes the job you're at. Maybe you won't raise yourself up until you've learned to honor the person over you right now. And maybe God's waiting on you. He's not waiting on them. He's waiting on you to honor them, to value them, to not treat them as everyone else, but to treat them with value and honor. We honor up, we honor down. Who do we honor this down? The unnoticed. Do we love the least? The least in your neighborhood, the least on your basketball team, the least students at the lunch table, the least who you work with, the least who sits by themselves, the junior hires in our society, the lepers of society, if you will, the junior high kids. Smelly, we keep a distance from them. I don't know. But what are we doing with the least? We honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. Romans 12.10 says, outdo one another with honor. The person on your right, the person on your left, do you, it's almost like this competition. I'm going to honor, I'm going to out honor you. I'm going to outvalue them. I'm going to speak life over them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to build them up in their faith. I'm going to pray for them, believe the best over them. What about in our marriage? 
Proverbs 20, verse three, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. So avoiding that fight is actually a mark of honor. Honoring up, honoring down, honoring all around. Then you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. But you do, you, you honor up, you honor down, you honor all around. What about even presidents? Now we all got convicted. We'll just stop right there. But we do pray for God's grace over their life. And we have to understand that maybe God's plan is in our plan. And that God has a plan. And hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit, God would rescue their hearts. And as we see our country make bad decisions, the great thing is, even though some people can make bad decisions, the church can make great God-honoring decisions. And we can bring God's flow. We can bring heaven down to earth if we submit ourselves. But hey, let's not be like the world. The world is like, oh, you told me no. Oh, you can't get this phone unlocked. And we tell them our peace. We tell them what's up. And we've missed out on honor. And I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but my son and I, we were at this conference, Titus and I, and we were going up right at the end, right before the speaker spoke. And they have this camera that was right in the way. And so right as we're walking up like 10 seconds, it starts in this big, huge security guy. Can't let you up here. I was like, what? I'm a pastor. Didn't work that time. He's famous. Look at him. Look how, look how handsome he is. He's famous. I don't care. Justin Bieber. We're not going up to the front. Okay. So we're, we're stopped there. And then the guy starts telling me all this stuff and I'm just like, nope, I'm out. And I kind of dissed him. And as I start walking, the Holy Spirit of God's like, whoa, you're modeling this pastor Brian for your child. You're modeling this. When the coach says your son can't play, your daughter can't play. You're modeling this at work for your other employees. So we go upstairs, we're in the balcony and I'm just frustrated. I'm like, are you serious? This is ridiculous. And then it just hit me, whoa. And I tried to have a quick conversation, but the, the stuff was loud. And, and so I felt the Holy Spirit of God at this church conference that we were at. The next day I'm looking, or that evening I'm looking for him. The next day I'm like, hey, I just want you to know, hey, I'm sorry about yesterday. It was really fast. It happened. You said, no, we couldn't sit there. And hey, I just want you to know, hey, you did your job. I appreciate you. And he was like, oh no, man, I appreciate you. He's like, hey, I could have actually gotten you a seat if you would have just waited a second. <laughs> but I went up into the balcony. I was like, hey, Titus, humility. I don't know if I handled that well. No, dad, you tried to. And I was like, yeah, but again, you're only as honoring as the last moment you had to honor or dishonor. Don't fool yourselves into thinking, I got this down. Honor you, pastor. Honor you, friend. Honor you, neighbor. Honor you, coach. No, you're only as honoring as the last moment you have to honor. Thankfully, I do believe I humbled myself. I went back. It was all great. I hopefully modeled that for my son. However, in just that quick moment, that flesh moment, stepping out of God's flow of honor because I became so familiar. Well, I come to this conference all the time. Everybody knows me. Everybody knows, oh, they'll let us sit up there. Oh, wait a second. Things changed. You got to be up there a little bit quicker. So now I will be running to the front every year and sidestepping that giant security guard. Honor. How are we honoring? What about honoring the Lord? One final one, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. 
There's only two types of tithers or two types of givers. The people who go, man, I just give and I'm just blessed. And the other people who say, I just can never give. I just don't have enough. God has a mysterious way of working things that we would in our world say, oh, that's a coincidence. Weird. I gave for the first time and then I got two promotions in two months. Weird. It was the boss who did that or the boss who did that. Listen to me. I believe, I really believe this and I'm waiting to see it happen in our church, maybe in Destiny Church that just for one month, everyone would go, man, that minimum requirement, that tithe, I'm just going to trust God for one month of my life and see what would happen. I'm convinced that God said, hey, there's a great harvest, but the workers are few. Hey, there's a great harvest, but there's a great cost to reach the loss. And I just wonder, just, just one time, if a church just is like, man, this, I'm going all in. I'm I'm really going all in. I trust God with my wealth. The very fact that you have salvation is a finance term. Te telestai, it is finished on the cross. That's a financial term. So we trust God with salvation, but we don't trust God with $100. All you have to do is give him a penny out of every dime. Turn your neighbor and say, just a penny, just a penny, a penny out of every dime if you trust him. I'm just telling you that generosity, and we think it's about the money because everybody gets funny when you talk about money. I wasn't raised in the church, and one day I walked into church and I said, everybody, they did this for me? This youth ministry? This pastor who doesn't even know me? I'm some kid on a hill, like in the, the hood here kind of, and he would, they would do all of this for me? Well, I'm going to trust God. So when I got that $300 check, working construction, that's a joke in itself, working construction, me. I mean, I'm a yuppie, like Duck Dynasty says, there's yuppies, that's me, they're talking about every time. But I worked $300 check, and you got that first $300 check, weren't you just like, man, I am a millionaire. I have made it in life. I can retire in about three years. But I would get that check, and I would bring the first $30 to the Lord. And I trust him. And I trust him. Even one time at Bible college, I had no money. You remember those days, you have nothing. And I remember God says, give something. I'm like, God, I have nothing. Well, you have a paperclip. You have a paperclip, Brian. We, we trust me with that paper. Uh, okay. A paperclip. What, what can you trust God with? I'm just some younger person telling you, who's not too young now, the faithfulness of God the generosity of God that comes your way, sometimes financially, but most of the blessings God has blessed me with are the intangible blessings and favor of God. And I believe generosity unlocks something in heaven and heaven deposits down in your life. And every time you just go, oh God, that sacrifice, that cost, that building project, my church, they need it. No, God just needs you to be obedient. And then you just give with generosity. And you live a life of generosity and you look for ways to be generous and God does something powerful in our lives. Why do we honor? Because of the Lord. Why do we honor with our wealth? Because of the Lord. Why do we honor our parents? Because of the Lord. Why do we honor bosses and teachers and leaders and pastors? Because of the Lord. We serve the honorable one. We know the honorable one. So we live that out in our lives. I'm reminded of the story in 1924, Eric Little, he was a runner for Great Britain. And he had the opportunity to run this race and win the gold medal that he had qualified for, the 100-meter race, the fast race. 
Well, then he found out in the time trials that the, the gold medal race would happen on a Sunday. But as a Christ follower, he said, I can't, I can't run on God's day. Isn't it amazing if you give God the first hour of your day, he does multiplies your hours. When we honor the God of time, he like gives us time to do things we never thought we had time for. There's something powerful. If you go back to Isaiah 58, you can read it. You can check it out. It says, when you honor God's day, when you honor the Sabbath, it says you flourish. It says that you ride high. It says you go to another level. God elevates your life when you just honor his day and you don't make it familiar. Like, God, I don't know what you're going to do today. You're going to do something unexpected. Maybe you're going to heal someone. Maybe you're going to change something. Maybe you're going to unlock something in my life. But see, he chose, Eric chose not to run on that day. And so he missed out on winning the race that he could have won. However, he had won another qualifying, the 400 meters. And so he got to go race for the gold. And so as he was going to the starting blocks, right as he was going, someone put a note in his pocket. And so he, he didn't have time to worry about it. So he got down to the starting blocks and the gun went off. And as the gun went off, he started to run and he tumbled. And it was like, he was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, can you imagine? You'd be thinking, God, I could have won that race. Now I'm in this race. I look like an idiot. Anyone ever looked like an idiot before? God, what are you doing in this situation? Someone yells, get up. That's what they should have yelled. He takes off running. He starts passing one person and then the next person. And then it's just two people. And in the last 10 and 20 yards, he just barely passes and wins the gold medal. He falls onto the ground. He's passed out. He needs uh, uh, medical help. While they're on the ground, he reaches into his pocket and he grabs the note. On the note was just a simple verse. 1 Samuel 2.30. This simply says, I will honor those who honor me. In your life and in my life, the Old Testament truths are still true today. God will always honor those who honor him. Do you believe that church? My prayer for you, Destiny Church, is that you would not be locked out of God's future, God's flow, because you became familiar with him. That you wouldn't become familiar with him, but yet you would be amazed by him, not because you were familiar with him, because you were faithful to him. That you chose to honor up, honor down, and honor all around. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, as we bring that back into this culture, honor. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your kindness. God, times where we've missed it and we haven't honored you. But God, today on this sixth birthday, we believe God for a miracle healing. Everyone in the church, we believe for a miracle healing that you're a God who heals, God that restores. And that God, we pray that we would never become familiar with who Jesus is. That he's not just a carpenter, but he is the Christ who can do something greater than fix our homes. He can fix our hearts and heal our hearts. And so God, thank you for the great work you're doing at Destiny Church. That Lord, as you move in a powerful way in this church, as you multiply it, as you grow it, as it would be a, a, a church that just shows light to a lost city. God, may they never become familiar just with Jesus, but may they become faithful to Jesus. Thank you for the pastors who lead this home. Thank you for the great men and women of God, students, kids. God, do an amazing work that in another six years, we'll look back and say, only Jesus. 
Father, forgive us times where we've just become familiar. Moments where we can sit in your presence, hear your word, and know the powerful truth that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Father, we have a great mission here, not to just build a building, but to reach the lost. So many projects, so many buildings, so many things to do. But Lord, the people right in front of us, help us not to miss them. Help us to look on them with eyes of compassion, like sheep without shepherds. As Jesus saw a lost city, may we see the people in this city. Father, we love you. We thank you for the great work you're doing. Help us to live our lives marked with honor. We honor up. Those leaders over us, we honor down. Those unnoticed, and we honor all around. Most of all, we honor Jesus, the honorable one. We know that you're coming with your reward, Jesus, one day. May we be found on that reward plan. Before I let you go, if you're here today and you just say, Brian, you talked about honor. You talked about being familiar with God. I've, I know about him, but man, my heart's distant from him. I want to give you the opportunity to return to him. Maybe recommit your life, maybe for the first time. I'm telling you, until Jesus is the Lord of your life, your life will never be what it could be. Your marriage, your relationships with your kids, the calling that God has on your life until Jesus is the center. And he comes today and he says, I have a gift for you. The gift is my son, Jesus Christ. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago and he gave himself for you and for me. And I'm gonna pray just a simple prayer. If you need to receive Christ, the hope of heaven one day, Wow, what a gift. A reservation in heaven one day. You make this your prayer. Just say to yourself, it's no magic formula. Heavenly Father, today I humble myself before you. God, I've not honored you. I've actually lived my own life. But today I humble myself and I wanna make sure that I'm right with you. I can't have my parents' faith. I can't have my pastor's faith. God, I want my own personal faith. Not a God of religion, but a God of relationship who came down the staircase of heaven for me. Today, Jesus, I choose you. And just right where you are, if you need to choose him, just say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you died on a cross. You rose again. And one day you're coming back. Or one day I'll meet you and I want to be ready. I want the gift of salvation. So I ask you to forgive me for all of my fumbles, all of my faults, and I give my life to you. Jesus, save me, rescue me, be the Lord of my life. If you're doing that today, right where you are, just, just make that your prayer. Just say, Jesus, I'm choosing you. As a church family, can we just say, Jesus, I'm choosing you. Let's help some people out. One, two, three. Jesus, I'm choosing you. And your family, your friends, they're choosing Jesus. They're praying this with you. They're praying for you. Father, we thank you. The Lord, your word says that when one person gives their life to Christ, all of heaven is celebrating. And God, mark this church with destiny, with honor, with a love for people that they would do an amazing work. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. God, thank you for the great work that you're doing here. May Jesus be the name above every name. And may this city be truly changed because we've chosen to make a decision to walk in a great destiny, a great calling, and to live lives that are honoring. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Hey, come on, let's welcome some people into the family of God. Why don't you all stand up, and can you put your hands together and thank Pastor Brian and Titus for coming down from Morton today. We really love you and appreciate you. We 
very thankful for your friendship, not just to Cheryl and I, but to our family, to this congregation. You're always welcome here. And uh, we just bless you, bless Danielle and your children, bless the church there and, and elevate that uh, the best days are yet ahead for you guys. Believe for that. So Father, send us now into the harvest field as workers. May we roll up our sleeves spiritually and may we get about our Father's business. Send us now with great joy and faith to honor those around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.